ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Chris and Andre Show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 35 of the Chris and Andre Show. He was waiting for me to say something, so I'll step yeah, in. Yeah, I, I literally stopped. and <laughs> I didn't like you... what I said leading into it, and so I was, I was trying to run through if I could come up with anything else. Now you're trying to be an adult. I was like, all right. Well, I'm glad you guys are here. Chris, it's good to see you, man. It's good to see you, too, um, here on our adult podcast where we talk about adult things. And not like <laughs> adult adult things, okay? So don't get excited. And not yeah, like please. excited, excited. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Welcome to the Chris and Andre show. <laughs> <laughs> we're always glad you're here. Uh, we're on episode 35, and it's been a... Sports. Uh Man, I, I, I'll tell you this. I tried to watch football on Thursday, yeah. and then I said no. <laughs> I just didn't do it. You want to know why? Yeah. Because I really don't want to be a part of the whole anthem thing. I don't care what they do. I just think they should take out the anthem for all domestic sports and put it on international events and call it a day. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. Um, I, you know, on the last episode was talking a little bit about how I've been jonesing for NFL football. And I was wondering if it was one of those, like, it's just been so long. This is the closest thing I'm going to get to normalcy is watching pro football on television because I don't normally right. go to pro football games. Um, so was it that, you know, and was I going to get like a taste of it and then be like, ah, whatever. Um, I tuned into a little bit on Thursday night. And I was not like I tuned in to some of the pregame, but it was literally like I flipped it up on my app on my phone and then was like, oh, it's pregame. And I turned it off. And then once they started playing, um, I watched a couple of minutes here and there. I don't really care about the Texans or the Chiefs. Like I don't root for right. either of those teams. I like Deshaun Watson. You know, everybody's all gaga over Mahomes, um, But neither one of them is like enough to make me sit down and watch an entire game, you know, like that. I'm not yeah. going to invest yeah. that much time in it. Now come Sunday, uh, when it got to be one o'clock, I just, I don't know, man, like something hit me and I was like, Oh, foot, you know, I think the, the, my NFL app reminded me that I think it was the Philadelphia Eagles versus the Washington football teams. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't even try man it's like i mean and uh, you know it was funny because somebody was talking about when they were you know because like dan snyder and ron rivera had come out when the whole when they were like well we got to change the name finally uh and they were like we're gonna have a new name in place by the start of the 2020 football season and i think it was bomani and he was like that's ridiculous like he, it's literally impossible and not only that, but Dan Snyder should have absolutely no input on right. what this team name should be. <laughs> um, and so t in that regard, I guess I do uh, get it. But yeah, like, I mean, ultimately you're changing everything anyways, right? Like you had to get rid yeah. of all the Redskin logos. And so now it's the W. So, yeah. I mean, really, like, ultimately, what does it matter? I mean, uh, unless your thought was, 
let's just go pick some other, you know, offensive name that we think we can get away with, which I wouldn't really get the point of that. You know, like, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't think they have a strategy and I just kind of, yeah, I didn't really like, oh, well, I don't really care. Um, yeah. And I, I tried like my, one of my sons called, I talked to him this morning and he was like, uh, cause the Broncos lost. And yeah. Again, I, I wasn't like, even sure if you were going to want to talk football. Well, <sighs> It was it was two points to the Titans. And it was. The Titans are, are a good team. You got Von Miller out with an ankle uh, surgery, and he's done for the know, season, right? Yeah, and their hope they're not well. It's up in the air if he's going to come back. I don't think it's worth it. You know, I, I personally think this whole season is a wash. Yeah, um, I did see, and I, again back to the Broncos. I'm like, well, you, you get what you get, right? And I I think they played from the stats I saw in the coverage. It was a good game, and. You've got Drew Locke doing the best he can do. What did you think uh, of his performance overall? I mean, do you think that he's got – and I know you're not – I'm not asking you to say, like, he's the quarterback of the future because you're not – that's not you. Right. <laughs> but from that one game, I mean, were there things that you liked from him? Were there things that have you kind of concerned? Well, he played he, – all right, here's my take on Drew Locke. He ended last season pretty well. So I'm not anti-Drew Locke. Yeah. I don't know if I'm buying a jersey. Yeah. Uh, because I think for Denver, they have to get to the to the playoffs. That's just plain and simple. If they don't get to the playoffs this year, it's gonna be um it's gonna be very disheartening. Very, very disheartening for me. Okay, but so they're in the AFC West. So you've got right. the Rams and the Chiefs, and then the Chargers, who no longer have the Albatross. That apparently was Philip Rivers <laughs> throwing fourth quarter backbreaking interceptions. Uh, I I hate it so much for for my man Phil because um, that that was not the way that he needed to start this season. <laughs> dude, but dude. it's it's like all right. I will say KC is going to be a tough team to beat. They right? will be, yeah. I mean, in LA is kind of question mark uh, both, yeah. really. <laughs> yeah. But but I really do feel that Denver's got the option. They they really do have an option of, in my mind, and I, and I could be wrong, and I don't have enough numbers on this, which is, that's why I don't get excited until like week four or five anyway. Sure. Um, I think Denver's got the option to defense-wise shut down KC. And if, and if that's not the case, they do have the the weapons to have a wild card spot. So even so, without Von Miller, you think that they have yeah, the I mean, the weapons on defense? And I yeah, I mean I you know I'll I'll back you on Chubb all day long. I just don't know yeah. enough about what else they they have on defense. I feel like losing Miller right. is a pretty big. Their secondary is pretty strong. Um, you're not going to have an effective pass rush on Mahomes anyway. So anybody that you have in the AFC West, there's, I mean, well, with that being my top contender, right. in in the AFC West, yeah, it's like a pass rush doesn't hurt that kid. So they've got to figure out what to do without the pass rush. So in my mind, it's, it's um, either they do or they don't. <laughs> that's, that's kind of how I look at it. Um, I did kind of, I watched the, the coverage for Brady, who just—he's—I—I I didn't like the the—I didn't like the reviews that he needs Belichick to win. I, I think that's a, a falsehood. Yeah, uh, 
I think that he's talented enough, but he's going to have problems having a strong O-line to keep him upright. Right. That's the problem. Um, I mean, and there were times where New England struggled to provide him with the protection that he needed, you know? Right. And those were usually seasons where they didn't make it very far. Right. Um, but those still ended up being, you know, like 10 and four or <laughs> or 10 and six, you know, like 11 and five because they're playing the Jets and the freaking Bills and the Dolphins. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I think for I think for Brady, it's good. I saw the coverage on, on Brady. Uh, crap. Cam. Yeah. Like I said before, man, I mean, there's Belichick can make him a better quarterback. And I, I really believe that. I just don't like his, if he can get the attitude away from him and the stupid hats, I mean, I might even find myself pulling for the guy as a quarterback. So I think he's got a lot of miles left on him. Yeah. I mean, I think he can be extremely effective. And I think, you know, having seen what Belichick did previously with, you know, like even like a Jacoby Brissett, which obviously, I mean, Brissett and Newton are two completely different quarterbacks, but in a, in a situation where Belichick obviously didn't feel super comfortable having Brissett throw the ball all over the place. Right. He knows how to manage a, a, you know, a running quarterback basically where the quarterback is, is a mainstay of the, of the offense. Um, And I think that's exactly what you saw on Sunday from, New he ran seventy five yards. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Um, my my son was like, he watched the Giants game with his grandfather, and he goes, "I didn't think it was possible for the Giants to find somebody that that looks as scared as and insecure as Eli Manning in the fourth quarter." <laughs> but they did I, in Daniel Jones. Is that? Is yeah, that... And I can't, I can't even say that without laughing through it again because it was so funny. He goes, maybe that was a requirement in, in recruitment. <laughs> I mean, they basically, and that's what I guess is the other thing. I mean, I get that you won two Super Bowls with Eli, but you've overhauled the entire system since then. Like. It's not the same coach. It's not the same coordinators. It's not the same players. Why would you think that plugging in the same court, same type of quarterback? I'm not even saying that, Daniel, but that seems like you're saying very much like they were going out saying, how do we get the next <laughs> Eli Manning? You know, and it's like the Colts did that, I think, with right. Andrew Luck, where it was like, how do we get the next Peyton Manning? You know, shit. Because that's Peyton Manning. I mean, and right. I, I know you you think much more highly of Eli Manning than I do because you are a Giants fan. Um, but I just, I've never been sold on on him beyond those two seasons. You know, the two seasons where oh. they won Super Bowls, it's the only time he ever won a freaking playoff game. He's like, a Thanksgiving quarterback. And their problem was they put too much money in Victor Cruz. They put too much money in OBJ. I just, they we've put, had this conversation so I, many it, times. It makes me so angry. <laughs> It makes me so angry. Every time people like, I'm like, look, I want to not agree with the downside of the giants, but it's very hard for me not to say they made some management like mistakes. Like those were mistakes that you just don't make. Yeah. Like you need a receiver, you need a tight end. You need people that can actually, you know, this is, it goes back to my look. Don't tell me your second year quarterback or second year superstar is going to be a superstar in three more seasons. Yeah. In season three, because once I watch tape on him, I am shutting him down. I promise you that. Like, if you're a good DC, 
you can shut those guys down like it's nothing. So that brings up a good, that's, I think that's a good segue into this, which is we talked a little bit about Mahomes earlier, you know, and everybody right. gushing over him. This is what season three for him, right? So as a starter. Yeah. So I'm kind of curious, like, do we start to see a little bit of regression from him because of that, that there's so much tape on him that, you know, defensive coordinators are, are going to start scheming ways to kind of, or, I mean, people have kind of argued that Kansas city's speed in a yeah, lot of ways that, makes that hard to do. That's well, so here's my thing with uh, Mahomes and I, I watched a couple of old games of him. Right. And he reminds me a lot of Russell Wilson. See, and that's and, why it was such a good segue because that's who we're going to talk about next. Oh God. All right. Don't, don't try to set me up. Um, no, I wasn't even trying. <laughs> you literally, I wasn't setting you up. I, but that was going to be my question is that, or I guess not my question, but, but to point to Russell Wilson as somebody that seems to have managed to overcome that. Right. And I, and there's plenty of guys do it. Right. I mean, you know, Brady Manning's those no, no, guys. No, no, no. I think Russell and Mahomes are, are and even, uh, gosh, I just forgot Baltimore's Jackson um, Jackson. Yeah. Those the, for the two young guys, I think that they play in a, a sphere, the same as uh Russell. Right. And what Russell did that really kind of threw me off and made me kind of really watch him was that he's, he's a smaller guy. He's super compact, but he's got an arm. Yeah. Right. And he was taking hits. He was able to avoid the hits. He could actually, you know, break the tackle and still get a nice slant in or, or, you know, a short post pass that wasn't the norm. Like you either have like a Michael Vick who would just break you with speed or you'd have like a guy that would just try to scatter on you all the time. And he was just, you just have to hope you catch him. Right. Yeah. Russell, in my opinion, was the only quarterback I saw that had the speed and the arm strength with the mobility that made me really watch him as a quarterback. I think Mahomes has the same thing. I think Lamar Jackson has the same thing. But I think Lamar Jackson, what he has going for him is he's just a beast. Like, I think he kind of eclipses Cam Newton with mobility and arm strength. So, in my mind, I think that those, like, Russell will be the 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 baseline of how far they go in seasons three and four. Right. Sure. So when I start comparing those guys, I'm going to always look and see what did Russell do? And if they can meet or beat Russell, then maybe that's the quarterback. And I'm not like, a, I'm not trying to make this a stats like yeah. you know, nightmare. I'm just saying when I look at those two guys play, I'm reminded more of how Russell was, you know, able to be pretty consistent for the most part and like, you know, break some of the norms because he's not a he's not a tall quarterback. No, he's solid, but he could you know he could run with the ball and still get a shot off if he needed to. He he could evade you if he needed to. He had this his quick uh, like dropbacks and then he'll push back into the throw. I mean, those are things I look at, and <laughs> you know, I'm not a coach, but I'm just saying like those are the things I marvel at that actually set quarterbacks like him apart from other people. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think. I'm still, I guess, oh, I'm not completely sold on Lamar Jackson just yet. I think he's done. He's done some good stuff. 
and and I think it's kind of funny to some degree. It's almost like we switch places here um, on this particular one. But I was watching the I didn't watch the game, but I watched the highlights from the the game against the Browns. Um, and the thing that the difference between him and Mahomes and Wilson, and you talked about it a little bit, is I don't feel like he's as stout as those two are. You look at his legs, yeah, like. Those things are freaking twigs. And what they remind me more of are like Robert Griffin's legs. Right. And we all right. kind of know. <laughs> now, I think that Jackson, I think Jackson's got a better arm. I think he is still like, he's more elusive than Mahomes. And like that dude is fast. Yeah. Like that twitch the you know, like he yeah. just side to side, he can shake you. I am. I still have some, concerns about his accuracy at times sometimes he's got it's like it's right on the money but he had like that one touchdown where there's nobody around him he's got his tight end wide open with 10 yards on either side and he throws it to the point where the guy's got to jump up and grab it with one hand and you're gonna have some bad throws from here and there but i've roethlisberger oh and i'm but i don't like roethlisberger either (laughs) like i've never (laughs) been super sold on (laughs) although I have my other issues with Roethlisberger, if, those, if I'm being yeah, perfectly those honest. Those do not remain on the field. No, my I know. Is, like, yeah. When you have guys that have, like, uh, they're they're fine-tuning their arm strength, right? It's like with me. Like, when I and I found this more when I played basketball. I couldn't play with glasses or contacts because I never practiced like that, right? And, I, and it, actually, every sport I played, I couldn't play with my glasses on because my distance was off, and I would overcompensate with a throw. Um, so I'd have to play without them. And I, it just, even with contacts, my, everything that I would do was I was overcompensating. So my accuracy was way off. Imagine you've got three and a half seconds to get a ball off and you're really trying to fine tune that accuracy. Right. And it's a moving target most of the time. So I I can see with him that, yeah, I'm not saying he's perfect. I can see there's, he's going to have to make adjustments, Maybe, you know, if I looked at enough games, you'd probably see that he's he's throwing the ball while he's still moving forward when he should have stopped or he should have, you know, timed that release a little bit better. Yeah. So, and those are just things I look at. But I think you're right. I mean, there he's got accuracy problems, but I think it's a matter of fine-tuning. So. Yeah, I and I think, you know, I am, I am certainly not saying that he is not, capable right i think like you know he has done some really great things i'm i hope that he continues to develop those you know that skill set and i think you know it's one of the things that with russ you know because me and russ are real tight yeah no he he says i can call him phil russ (laughs) Uh, (laughs) but yeah with russell like i think he in in between like years two and three he put on a decent amount of weight and and muscle like and a lot of it i mean he was already a pretty stocky short guy yeah. but if you kind of go back and compare like he lost some of his quickness but i think the leg strength did a couple of things one it just gives you more power in your base so you can actually you know you get even better deep balls which i mean i think most people will agree Russ and Mahomes have some of like the prettiest freaking deep balls and then it also i think helps you in the pocket just in terms of a, a being able to withstand some of those pressures and take some of the bumps and stuff. But 
Baltimore has done such a good job to this point, I think, of scheming and protecting Jackson. And then he's got his mobility on top of it that it hasn't been as much of an issue. So as long as they can continue to do here's that, a, then... Here's the thing that you can't forget about both Mahomes and, and Wilson, right? They both play baseball. Yeah. And like, like when you say, like for my, for me with Russell Wilson, I can see that he played baseball when he throws the ball. Oh, yeah. So he knows how to, he probably knows how to plant his feet before he releases. Well, and Mahomes, Mahomes too, because even yeah. when those guys are on the run, you think like, you know, outfielders, shortstops and stuff like that, where you're having to throw across your body back and get just right. enough on it, but still be accurate within a few feet. So, yeah, I mean, you're right. I think that that skill set does seem to translate very well into the quarterback position. Yeah. Um, and I don't think, no, actually. Did he used to play yeah, baseball? He, he played baseball also. But not I at mean, Louisville, I right? Um, I feel like he well, was only, I, he was just playing quarterback, but. He played uh, baseball at Thornton Fractional South High School. I don't, I don't know where that's at, but. You don't know where Thornton is? <laughs> 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 he only played on one uh baseball team covered by i guess at a, a prep school okay it doesn't look like he had a lot of activity playing baseball yeah but but i i know that plays a part in it but you can see the the baseball like you can you can tell that in my opinion or what i can see that mahones and uh wilson played baseball yeah. Like I can see in how they throw the ball, you know. Um and I think that probably helps out a lot on the field. So, you know, and I'm trying to, you know, I'm try I I substitute a lot of my football for Madden. <laughs> so, um and I just I don't know. I think the whole I just have to separate some of the extra noise. I I, yeah. I want to I want to support the players, but I also don't want the sound bites of, you know, of the people that are just haters, you know? Yeah. I, I think that's very frustrating. So, um, that's, those are my thoughts. And I, I want to watch, I mean, I want to watch the Broncos, but I also, I, I don't know. Sports is kind of, I, I think two issues with sports for this season. One, I'm worried about player safety and two, I'm worried that, um, Although I'm pro civil rights, I'm not pro all the extra noise from the haters, you know, disparaging the players for taking advantage of the fact they can actually say something that can help somebody else out. I, I think for me, I'm just pushing back against that. Yeah. And I, I, I you know, I, I agree, I guess, you know, a couple of things like one, the national anthem wasn't getting pulled this year. And so I guess I wonder I mean, regardless of the fact that it should have been, do you support the players doing what they're doing now, even though it is creating the extra noise? I mean, basically, since they're being put in this position of having to be out there or, you know, like that the national anthem is being played, they've provided them with these different ways for them to essentially, you know, like the Seahawks and the Falcons took a knee at the kickoff. Um, You know, like the, what is it, the... um, uh, the Texans and the Chiefs like all locked arms, and then supposedly a bunch of the fans in the stands, or at least some of the fans, were booing, which I thought was hilarious, considering the fact that like 
was it really about the anthem or was it not about the anthem? Like, which part of this do you that's, not like? That's my point, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I really, um, I, I'm sorry. I, I turned my head for a second. I really no, don't. Fine. I really don't want to deal with that. Like, I really, like, I support those. I support all the players that want to use their platform. Okay. You know, uh, remember and I figured that's where you were on that. I just wanted to. Yeah. I, I, I support it. I just don't want to. I, I don't want to hear people booing, you know, like I really, it's like, you know, we talk about, and I'm not a constitutional lawyer, but we talk about first amendment rights all the freaking time. And although it's taken out of context, but it's kind of funny how the same people that are screaming about first amendment rights, and I have the right to say this and that they get, they sure as hell get pissed when somebody else wants to exercise their rights. Yep. If we're going to use it in the context of which they infer the first amendment. And it just, it, it's starting to really piss me off. I mean, it would be no different than if there was, if, if video surfaced of, you know, cops brutally murdering a bunch of white people all of a sudden, those people that have been on the cop side all along, you know, regardless, and I think you and I have talked about it, we are not, you know, of the opinion that all cops are bad or that we need to get rid of all cops. We understand that in most cases, like they just they're being utilized for the wrong things, and that creates right. these horrible mismatches. You know where you're responding. It's, not a, it's a vacuum. Well, yeah, it's a, it, it is. It's a vacuum. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I again, I, yeah. So I, I kind of like. Uh, it's not that I. I think the people that are hypocrites are taking away. Um. I don't know, maybe like some of the progress for everybody to enjoy something, you know, because the reason I say that is because I'm wholeheartedly okay with disagreeing with people. I actually relish the fact that I don't always agree with everybody and everybody doesn't always agree with me. But when you make it so one-sided, you get so, so aggravated by and agitated and you lose some level of civility go screw yourself. I don't want, I, there's nothing for me else to say to you. Like I'm done talking to you. Right. Um, and that, that's kind of how I feel about it. And I think those pe- the people that want to take the time to boo are the ones that are going to make people like me that, or that are okay with both sides of the dialogue, just not want to be part of the conversation. Life. I guess not trying to be an asshole, but just kind of asking, like, is that productive though? No. Okay. It's it's just where I'm at right now. And I get that. Yeah. I, I'm totally, I know it's like the opposite of, of most of the things I believe in, but it's like, yo, I just, cause I'll, I mean, I'll be honest. Like I'm, I'm fed up and I'm like super tired and exhausted. Like yeah. I'm, I'm like, I'm like so tired of, you know, trying to, um, um, I don't know. I'm just, I'm exhausted, man. I'm, I'm ready for the election to come. I'm ready for that to be one way or the other done. Um, I'm just, I'm exhausted and I don't see, you know, one, one thing I was afraid of before it was that, Hey, we're going to lose progress. If things don't, if there's no light at the end of the tunnel and it's like, you can't win for losing, you know? Yeah. And I think, you know, there's a there's an element of that involved in what we're dealing with with the pandemic right now. You right. know, because there, we don't 
we keep hearing things like it'll be gone tomorrow or (laughs) even reasonable things like, hey, you know, a vaccine could be available early 2021. Right. Like that was believed to be achievable six months ago. Like that, that was kind of like at best, right. We're looking at, you know, um, and we've had some progress in those areas, but obviously we're not anywhere near people actually getting it and creating any sort of real immunization. And so I think like, it just, it, it's this kind of, you know, the never ending cycle. Like it just feels like you're going to wake up and it's going to be the same thing. I mean, every single day blurs together, you know, like it's I uh, all day today. Kept sitting there going, it's Wednesday. It's Wednesday. It's Wednesday. <laughs> and I go, I go, no, Chris, it's Tuesday. Like it even says it on my computer, Tuesday. And I was like, no, it's Wednesday. Um, and it's just, it's just hard. Like it's, I don't know, man. Like it's gotten, I mean, I, planning a seven-year-old's birthday party in the midst of a pandemic. And I know that I'm not the only person that's had to deal with that kind of stuff. Uh was stressful enough because at first it's like you you know well we can't do anything and then you kind of and you're like well we have to do something okay and then you kind of swing to the wrong side and you go well we'll just invite a bunch of people and then you're like that's (laughs) no and you know it's like we started looking at like out outside like not outside but like you know third-party venues where we could host something to try and simplify it so many of them are in the process of trying to recoup the money that they've lost over the last six months. That the charges for those things are astronomical. Dude, our economy is it's oh, it's I mean, it's fucked. Like, I mean, there's no two ways around it. Like, and it's not getting been, any better. <laughs> yeah, the things that have been weighing on me are like the just the after effects. Like, you can like you can probably go through something traumatic. It's just, are you ready for the after effects? I mean, PTSD. Like, think we're going to basically have an entire series of generations here that are going to be dealing with the fallout from the coronavirus, <laughs> in part because I think, you know, like we've become, I don't know. So I've been listening to a couple of the Nick Offerman uh, books on Audible because his voice is basic i mean i think there's even an an ad for like the calm app which he also does some readings on where it's like apparently i've been a walking sedative my entire life um <laughs> and it's true like i can basically listen to him read anything and i'm just like <sighs> um but yeah like he was talking about how you know like america has become so coddled not even america but just like people in general like we don't make anything we don't go out and do anything everything and he's like you know i'm guilty of shopping on Amazon and enjoying having things delivered. He was like, but for God's sakes, like go out and make something, you know, like make a card for your significant other. Don't go buy one, make one. Even if it's a piece of fabric, a scrap piece of wood, like it doesn't matter what it is. You want extra bonus points, go out into nature, grab some of that nature and put it in the card. Like, you know, a twig, a berry, like it doesn't matter, you know, like that means so much more than just, you know, than the e-cards and all this other crap Crazy stuff, yeah, yeah, that we spend so much time. I so just, I, yeah. I know that Bob, your dad mentioned uh, the Lee I Coca book. Yeah. Where have all the leaders gone? Dude, I could have wrote that book. <laughs> so First what you're all. saying is you are the black Lee I Coca. <laughs> 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 so 
so as I as I start reading it, I'm like, and I actually texted you. I'm like, yeah, I've said a lot of these things in this book. It's so true. And this was written in 2008, right? Of all times. <laughs> of all, yeah. um, and it's just amazing that there's this, and I, and I wrote about it on our blog. You know, we've talked about the same issues as a society, as a country, time and time again, but we make no inroads to finding a solution because we're, we're not willing to do the work. We're not willing to, you know, slog through the mess to clean it up, to clean up the mess. Yeah. Um, we talk about the economy and, you know, Ron Swanton's right. We don't even look at the after effects of what we're doing. We can't like, I sent you an article that basically said what we've been talking about for months now. Yeah. And then it kind of pinnacled when it, like there was a, I think it was a wall street journal article that said basically what I said a few weeks ago, white collar employees are propping up the, the economy right now until they get laid off. Yep. And so it's like, I'm, I'm really like, it's not my responsibility as a, as a leader to fix it, but I'm responsible for like my circle, like you and, you know, people in my life to see what I can do to like, Hey, are we aware of this? Yeah. You know, like things are going to get really, really, really bad. Like, and we're, we're literally as a country waiting for the second shoe to drop. It's time for politics. Yeah, I mean, we're basically sitting at home waiting for an impotent Congress to continue to do nothing, right? For an administration that has no real interest in actually helping people that aren't going to vote for them. Uh, I mean, which is... Honestly, probably true of most politicians at this point. <laughs> Lee Coker said it. I said it. They work for us. Yeah. We put them in office. Exactly. And we, we keep putting the same people and expecting something different to happen. And it's just like, I think with the, with the fires, speaking of fires on the West Coast, yeah. <laughs> My wife was like, we were arguing. She was trying to defend Trump, yo. I was so pissed. I'm like, this guy is literally saying, pick up all the leaves. She's And she's like trying to defend him about, like, he understands controlled fire techniques. I'm like, no, you're giving this guy way too much credit. He's literally saying the reason California is on fire is because they don't pick up the leaves. And she's still defending him, saying... Well, maybe he's I'm like, no, he's an idiot. He's a moron. Actually, I take that back. He's not a moron or an idiot. After listening to some of the Wood, Woodward tapes. Yeah, you know exactly a, what he's doing. He's a calculating, maniacal, sociopath, pathological lying POS, period. <laughs> like, that's where I'm at with this guy. It's just like. My dude, like you're literally, you got caught with your hands in a cookie jar. And on top of that, you don't, you just weren't stealing the cookies. You threw the freaking jar on the kitchen floor and said, and what? I, and, and, but yeah, I just, I don't know what anybody expects, you know, like I don't, this is who he is. This is who he has always been. You know, I like. No no joke, man. No joke. It's like, it, it pisses me off, man. It's just like. What more do you need to to like be 
not be okay with that. The only thing I saw in the past week that kind of gave me a glimmer of hope was the article that I sent you that said that as a whole, like of a survey of the evangelicals and, and people that say they're professing Christians, there is a shift. And I'm like, literally thank God because I was really going like, yo, I don't know what's going to like you crazy quote unquote Christians cannot be okay with that. And I read another article where Mormons are really not feeling the dude because they crapped all over Clinton when he was, you know, getting favors in the in the oval office yep so well not to mention the fact that i mean trump's been basically like picking on their poster boy mitt romney so like i mean (laughs) if you really i I mean i don't know like i you know you just said it that like he is he is a very calculating person and there are, are parts of me that you know, worry that he's got it figured out to some degree. Um, but I don't know. At the same time, like I keep kind of coming back to, I was reading an article the or something that somebody posted online, maybe where it was talking about, you know, the whole reason that he ran was because he saw an opportunity to, you know, uh, basically better himself. And I was laughing, yep. rem- remembering <laughs> what you said. And now more than ever, I'm convinced that this, that you were absolutely correct. That the only reason that he ever ran is because he couldn't believe that Barack Obama would make fun of him at the correspondence dinner. We did not talk about this, but maybe a week or two, actually had to be two weeks ago, he was talking crap about Senator uh, Kamala Harris. Oh yeah. And he actually said, you know, she shouldn't be the president, blah, blah, blah. And she can't be, she's not qualified. Then you know what he said? This is a paraphrase. I shouldn't say that because because Barack Obama said that about me and I ran. And I was like, yo, he admitted it. He admitted dude got under his skin. He was like, this is going to say some shit about me. Part of my, that was Pepper. Please sleep, sleep out some of it. Because <laughs> I've been trying to get back right. <laughs> but I've been, I've been just having a salty diet. Not a lot of pepper in my food lately. I hear it. <laughs> But I, I'm telling you, like he's showing it, like for what it's all worth. Please, people in the world, if you don't listen to anything I ever say to you, when somebody shows you who they are, do not be surprised at what they do. Like this guy is literally showing all his cards. He's literally saying the only reason I ran for president was because a, a black man who I have no respect for, said I couldn't do it. Tell me, somebody tell me, and I'm ta- I'm looking right at you. Uh, what's your name, Candace Owens? <laughs> <laughs> that money is not racist. Tell me, tell me he's not racist. Yeah, nobody can t- nobody can convince me this this dude is not racist. He's done more for the black community than God, any president that, <laughs> since Abraham Lincoln. That burn you have no idea how much that burns me, man. He's like the he's like a snake. He's not even a snake in the grass. He's like a lion right in your face. Yeah, and he's gonna like eat you, and you and people keep acting like oh he's a businessman. He does. He's a garb. He's garbage. The guy is freaking garbage. And I've been doing my yeah. best. I don't want to give him too much headspace. Yep. 
he does not live rent free in my head. But yo, your boy, your boy is he's he's garbage. If you can, if anybody can vote for him with a clear conscience, God bless you. But if <laughs> if it means, and I, this one article I was reading about uh, Mormons, and actually, yeah, Mormons. It was the Mormon article. Mm-hmm. They didn't vote for. There are a lot of people that sat out, like myself, because I I couldn't vote for either one of them. Right. There's a lot of people that voted for him because they believed that he would do better. Yeah. Look, and sitting out is that's obviously not the right thing to do. It's just not the right. You can't. I I can't. Like I'm not like. I'm like Biden, actually 60%. You know, I really do believe the guy's genuine. I don't have a lot of confidence in what comes after Biden, though. That's the thing. It's what happens after his term's over. Yeah. That's the only thing I'm concerned about. I'm concerned about the third party. But I'm not, I know I can at least make an effort to make sure the next four years doesn't go crazy that's that's the all all i can do and that's i mean yeah like ultimately i think to some degree that is kind of our responsibility right as americans like we we're not really on the hook for more than the next four years that's that's kind of the beauty of our system i mean it's part of the reason that things ended up the way that they are is because it's like hey every four years we get a chance to go "Mm, no you know we've talked about it before that like four eight years whatever Ultimately, you're not really doing much that is being accomplished and completed within your term. You're setting the stage right. for the next eight years. And, you know, I mean, <laughs> the stage has been set at this point. Um, there's not a whole lot of room for us to go much lower in some regards. I say that hesitantly and now really wanting some something wooden to knock on. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm curious to see how this all plays out in November, you know, because I'm with you in that. I believe one of the things that it talked about in that article, um, was the fact that now, right. As opposed to in 2016, you have four years of track record Yep, that you can actually look at and say, has he done any of the things that he talked about doing? Has he surrounded himself with intelligent people? No. Actually, he started out, then he fired them. Yes, he tried, right? (laughs) Or people tried to surround him with intelligent people. And then when it turns out that he didn't agree with any of the intelligent people, they thought the problem was the intelligent people. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, this is when you have a narcissistic megalomaniac. Like, (laughs) (laughs) I mean... I just think that uh, we're gonna we're gonna get like into a point where it just doesn't look good for, um, you know, think about it, Mike Mike Pompeo, and I think Pompeo definitely, William Barr possibly, and Ivanka Trump are going to be the twenty twenty four possibilities. There's rumor that Eric Trump, which one's not the dumb one? Or the or the least mentally damaged. Well, I thought Don Jr. Don Jr. is the. I mean, he's named after Donald, so I was I was pretty sure he was the decent one. But I never. I mean, they're both morons. Like, I thought Eric was the one that got left to run the company 
while literally everybody else joined Daddy in the White House? Uh, actually, that was Don. Donnie? Jr. Donnie Jr. Yeah. was left behind? He's, he's the one that looks more like him. Poor kid. Um, no, it's... Yeah, Don Jr. is possibly going to run for... Run in 2024. So here's my thing. The third party is going to be a problem. The third party is going to be a problem for this country for at least two cycles. We just have to fix the country. Like, and I don't mean fix it pristine. I just mean fix it to where we get an oil change. We probably, you know, change the wiper blades and we can pass an inspection because, you know, they're trying to force these Middle East deals down our throats. Like the reality is even those deals are like a farce because Israel has been dealing with all those countries. Yeah. Like beforehand, it's just a matter of making it like publicly um, palatable for everybody else that doesn't know about it. Well, and everybody else that isn't Palestine. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> ultimately fuck Palestine and all of this. And I mean, I'd, I have no interest in diving into the Israeli-Palestinian conflict or any of the politics surrounding that. I just ultimately think that we have absolutely no fucking business being like having been as involved in all of that as we have been over the and and the fact that it has always been such a chess piece for the po politicians to play in terms of whether or not they're recognizing Israel or Palestine or like where they I'll sat like, on that whole thing. You know, I just I it, I'll, I'll drop the mic on one thing. Yep. It's it's a ploy to to get the quote unquote evangelicals to play ball. Yep. It has nothing more it has nothing to do with global politics. Right. And we just don't have the moral standing to even make that a case. Because the hypocrisy in that whole thing, and then I'll end with this, is that Americans in general crap all over Jewish people. So how much love do we really show Israel? exactly right i mean is it not a common thought amongst and, and i mean not even i'm just gonna say like the whole you know jewish run hollywood liberal oh, thing right give, like i mean conservative give the republicans like five minutes to like crap all over george soros right i mean that's what i'm saying like i just <laughs> how again right how you can call yourself a christian and sit there and care about recognizing the country of Israel, right? But then the Jewish people that live here in the United States are the enemy, they're the devil, they're whatever, you know? I mean, we talked about it previously, like how often have black people been pitted against Jewish people, you know? Like, I mean, it's these... It doesn't matter ultimately. Just stop fucking playing these stupid games. Like stop buying into it, right? I, I like yeah. that's what I want more than anything for for people to understand is like you're just being used. Like at least take a moment to recognize that. Please? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like Yeah, it's 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 beyond frustrating. And I you know, I don't I I love our talks, but I I also, there's, here's my thing on politics right now. Please vote, vote with your conscience. And for all intents and purposes, like vote true, right? 
and please don't make it a one issue thing. Like it's like the one issue thing, it only gets you so far. You know, yeah. the tax cut, that's a farce. I mean, if you actually go back and look at, you know, the the quote unquote tax cut, it didn't really help middle class America. All the, you know, deregulation didn't really help anything. There's a lot of please do your homework, but vote true. Because I I don't want to like I want to talk to my friend. <laughs> I don't want to talk about this guy anymore. He, no, I'm with you. I mean, I I was surprised as I was editing episode 34. I think we spent maybe nine minutes at the beginning of the episode talking politics, and I'm halfway through and I haven't heard us talk anything else about yeah. that. And I was yeah. very proud of us. <laughs> And I think we've done a pretty good job here today as well, too. So we don't have yeah. to we don't have to dive into it any more than that. Yeah, because I, I I'm like I'm exhausted. I'm I'm exhausted for a number of reasons, and it's just like whether it's you know, just the confusion. Like we're living in a, in a country that's like you ever you know fight somebody. Well, you ever watch a a boxing bout and you see the other guy? He's already taken two knockdowns, and that third time they meet in the, r- the ring again, it, you're seeing them take those hits. He's not standing. That's our country right now. We're like, we're taking hit after hit after hit. And we have like 30 seconds to the end of the round. We probably can't do another like 30 seconds clean. We can't throw, you know, our, our arms are tired and we're trying to extend the round for no apparent reason. Like keep your feet moving, stay away from the punch because we just got to make it 30 seconds and we got to figure out a way to like, again, the election day for me, it's hopefully people vote true. I'm doing mail-in ballots. Um, my daughter supports our, our vo- voting choices in our house. I won't, I won't say any more for that, but it was hilarious. <laughs> it was. <laughs> so, yeah. Um. <laughs> I thoroughly enjoyed that video. That was that, great. That was awesome. And I, I was like, why? Wow, I, I can't even be mad at that. Like, <laughs> it was just amazing. Um, Let's talk about technology. So NVIDIA is trying to buy ARM. Really? Yeah. So we 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 touched, we, we touched on this, I think, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, but we didn't break the story. But we were so close, man. I was like, oh, I, and I said there's going to probably be two vendors at the end of the day. Yeah. And, um, I don't think that's, uh, like a lot of the people in the, in the developer community are like, yeah, that means every chip is going to be made in the U S there's a downside to NVIDIA buying arm. Um, and I think maybe possibly crystal ball in it and, and probably, you know, wish I had some favors to call in to, to prove this point. I think Apple knew that. I think Apple knew that NVIDIA prior to, was going to um, be looking at buying the ARM company itself, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, you would think that before going through and making an announcement like we're moving everything over to this, that they would want some sort of knowledge or guarantees of some sort, uh, you know, of what was going to happen to the company. Um, and so... You know, obviously, this is going to create a very close relationship between NVIDIA and Apple. Um, I think it'll it, it'll be really interesting to see how it plays out. You know, we talked before that I think 
from a you know graphic graphics processor you know graphics card standpoint like it makes perfect sense um you know can nvidia continue to manage things at the processor you know fabrication level that they need to i don't know Uh, i mean they've done pretty well for themselves to this point right i mean they're pretty much the number one name and i mean does any yeah gpus if you were looking for something that like delivers some type of graphics it's you're probably going to get an nvidia something or another yeah um where i where i got it kind of like i pause on is i don't think that hardware is getting more simple in, in my opinion i i think that uh because i'm not a gamer i well i'm not a gamer in the in the the truest meaning of the word like i don't have a gaming rig at my house right i have an xbox um you're a console gamer, not a PC gamer. Yeah. Well, I'm going to give props to all the PC gamers out there. You guys really do own like the gaming like world, in my opinion. I think that what they, you know, how they build their rigs and and make them work, and they get all the FPS out of it, frames per second, that anybody, any normal person would probably miss. I think that's pretty amazing. I think where they miss the mark is the fact that when you get like exclusive titles like Spider-Man on the PS4, which I would have bought a PS4 just for that game, um, is that you you don't you don't get access to the exclusive titles, so you end up having a a dope rig and a console for one game. Like I can't imagine like the new PS or the new uh, new PS5 is going to be four ninety nine, and the Xbox series x is going to be like uh 599 um and there are smaller units like 399 for the uh ps5 whatever i think it's called alumna or some crazy name and the xbox series s is the cheaper version of the xbox it's going to be 399 or 299 um i just think that when i look at like hardware i kind of get confused on what the landscape's going to be you know uh, because I don't see a lot of people actually using traditional computers, whether they be small form computers or laptops, like for in the next five or 10 years. I, I see more Chromebooks and things like that happening. And consoles, I think they do a pretty decent job of delivering a good gaming experience. So I don't see where I'm just confused on what the layout's going to be. I like the mobile, de- the mobile device thing. There's too many manufacturers, in my opinion. I hope some of them go out of business. Um, I don't know. I, I've just been really plotting and scheming on, on what that looks like in my world, you know? Yeah. I think we were talking a little bit on the last episode um, about Madden and I was saying how I haven't touched my Xbox in six months or so. Um, I think that's probably the last Xbox or PS that I'm going to buy for the foreseeable yeah. future. Um I have been considering going the Nintendo Switch route in large part because I have a seven-year-old. And there are titles on the Nintendo, again, we talk about exclusives, that I really miss getting to play. I mean, Super Smash Brothers, Mario, Mario Kart, like all that stuff are things that... I mean, because the truth of the matter is like there's a couple of games that I can play and that I have played on the Xbox with Helena, but... Like part of it is that the controller is more complex. The controls are usually more complicated. Like 
we ended up spending more time playing on the old GameCube and stuff like really? that together than we did playing Xbox. Um, and she really likes the Mario titles and stuff like that. And so I've been thinking lately, like, well, you know, maybe it's time to switch back because I have been a Nintendo guy for the longest time until I switched to Xbox um, or added Xbox, really. And then after the Wii, I fell off with Nintendo because it, I was like, well, the Wii U didn't seem like enough of an upgrade to warrant me investing in it. And then I don't even remember if there was anything. I don't think there was anything. By the time the Switch came out, I had fallen out of gaming so much that I couldn't yeah. warrant. And, and I had my Xbox One or whatever. And so it was like I couldn't warrant spending the money on that but the nice thing about the switch is it's a tablet that you can take with you like i can take it if we you know go on a car trip somewhere like i can take it with me um but you know it's like i don't know i keep i've been getting more into other hobbies lately like doing a lot more woodworking and stuff like that and so i keep it's like all right well do i buy myself a cool new woodworking tool or do i buy you know save up for <laughs> a nintendo switch and now you know the switch they're getting a new switch uh coming out here in the next six months or something like that too so it's like and that's where i think with consoles i start to get frustrated and i kind of understand the guys that go the PC rig route, because in that regard, at least like I'm upgrading bits and pieces here, right? Like I can get a new graphics card. I get new more memory. When I buy a console and then they upgrade to the new console. What do they do? They're immediately going to trash everything that used to only work for the old one. I mean, that's what they did when they switched to the Xbox one. And I'm still pissed about that. I mean, I had, I had 20 games that I liked to play fairly regularly on my old Xbox 360 that I couldn't, and they that that I couldn't play and that they never, you know, retro like went back and made playable on the new Xbox one. Well, I, I think like I'm I just like uh pulled up an article and EA is actually trying to get more to a cross play like platform so I can buy Madden on a Nintendo and play it against my buddy with an Xbox, right? They should have been there fucking years ago, but yeah, good for them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but remember back in the day, and especially for me, everybody had their camps, you know? Well, like, and the uh, other thing was sharing the information, connecting the systems between each other. I mean, you and I, I think, know a little bit about how important it is to maintain separate silos, right? shall we say, uh, between <laughs> the Microsoft and Sony communities. And, you know, they, from a privacy and, you know, copyright and trademark, all like, they don't want any of that stuff going back and forth. But um, the publishers should figure that out, right? Oh, so I if totally I'm, agree. Yeah. I mean, I should, I should be able to play, like, Fortnite's a good example of, like, a, of a developer epic that took the fact that, well, people are probably playing on different devices. Yeah. And you actually... I think you build a stronger uh, user base when you when you allow things like that to happen because you shouldn't be. I don't think you should be platform dependent for video games. I think that's kind of stupid. Your exclusive titles, yes, but the if I have Madden on an Xbox and I can buy it on a PS, I should be able to play against my buddy with a PS and not worry about that. That shouldn't yeah. be my problem as an in, as an end user. Well, and I know that previously part of the issue was the compatibility of the machines themselves, right? That you had they were running at such different levels and then if you had different, you know, people with like an old Xbox versus a new Xbox, 
um, or the newer versions that like the lag time and stuff like that would essentially make games unplayable. But I think we've reached a point now where everything, the specs are pretty much, you know, like you were saying, hardware is not really getting that much more complicated. It's, I mean, we're, we're kind of, we're approaching that, you know, uh, yeah. that infinity or the pro- pro- approaching the asymptote, but we're never actually going to reach it. <laughs> Yeah, I, I hope that that becomes more of a reality for for like the future of gaming because you're you're right. Like I probably would have bought a PS four instead of an Xbox, but when my kids have Xboxes, and if I wanted to play Madden, I had to get an Xbox. Yeah, um, and it was one thing I think back in the day when it was maybe one fifty or two hundred for a new console, yeah. right? And I all right, I'm going to buy one in January. I'm going to save up and I'm going to buy another one in July. Now I've got both. I can't spend $1,500 on three different freaking <laughs> systems. Like I just, I mean, Jesus, that's like, yeah, that's, no, that's, I mean, <laughs> I've got to get budget approval for that. You know, yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know much about marketing, but I, I will say this price things where, it's not a, co- a conversation, right? Pricings where it's not a, ma- a, man- a matter of like permission or, or like having to clear it with the boss or, or if you're, even if you're single, where you have to really think about it. I think you should, it, always, yeah, I, you should always price it where it's like, you know, a cup of coffee, basically. Like I, can buy, I should like, be able to buy an Xbox for the amount of a cup of coffee. You're absolutely right. <laughs> I mean, $6 max, right? If I'm going to Starbucks, maybe I'm getting like a Frappuccino. All right, 10 bucks for my Xbox. <laughs> 10 cents a game. Uh, no, I'm just, I know, you know, I, know what I, mean. you, I know exactly what you're saying. If, yeah. right. If you make my, if, if I can go, you know, uh, for example, I can go to McDonald's and get say a cup of coffee, right. For a dollar. That's one thing. If I go to Starbucks every day and I'm getting a venti, whatever, and I'm paying $12, that's, you know, Usually at some point you're going to sit there and go, Oh, do I really need to spend $12 on this? And I'm with you. Like you, but I feel like we've gotten, they've gotten so far away from that. You know, it's like you're either a gamer or you're not now. And I guess like, that's where I've, I started to kind of fall out of it a little bit too, is I felt like the, the, I was like a semi, no, not even, I would not semi pro, but like just above an, like a, uh, not even amateur. What am I trying to think? Um, that would be semi-pro, bro. Right? Yeah, I know, but that's not what I'm. I'm not. <laughs> so you're more than a casual gamer, right? Thank you. Casual was the word that I was looking for. Yeah, <laughs> I was a, just a little bit more than a casual gamer. Like I liked to game, but I wasn't dedicating all hours of the day and night. You know, like, yeah. and I feel like to some degree, they priced us out of the market on that stuff. You know, like I. I bought my one system and now I got to kind of sit on that for 10 years to really make it worth my while. And I mean, shit, like the last two years, I'm barely even using it. Like, I, yeah. I don't know. Or what I end up doing is waiting until Christmas comes up and I'm like, somebody please buy me an Xbox. Well, yeah. <laughs> so, but when you're an adult, you can buy all your toys throughout the year, right? Are you and telling then- me that I, that I get paid enough to buy whatever it is that I want that I don't have to ask for things for my Christmas list. Is that what you're telling me, Andre? <laughs> I would never say that. No, but I know somebody who would. <laughs> <laughs> and who did in front of an entire group of people. Yeah. I mean, 
but you got to respect the budget, right? That's one yes. of the things I believe in, respect the budget. Like I, I am the budget administrator in my house and I respect the budget. And I, yes, we make enough money to, we can, you know, buy things, but we want to be responsible with how we spend our pennies. And, um, you know, so Microsoft plays or Sony and Nintendo, if you're listening, Hey, you're losing a lot of potential, like heavy users of your products because you're putting them all on the market. Well, and if you're Microsoft and you just lost out on the TikTok deal, uh, who wants that deal anyway? Well, apparently man. Oracle. Yeah, because they're going to do a great job. Screw oh. Larry. Larry Ellison, I, I still freaking I do not like you. I do not like you. I want you to know that I, I'm actually cutting back on my Java programming because I don't like you. I think you're a vile POS. <sighs> Okay. So, I'm so uh, glad I don't have to work with them anymore. I mean, like, I didn't ever really, like, deal with anybody that was, like, but I just, yeah, I'm with you. Like, they, as a company, I just. Remember that time at E-Area when a couple of Oracle guys came there and somebody made it a point to introduce me to them? Yeah. And I said the same thing. I was like, I think the software is great. I don't like your CEO. <laughs> it's like a, he's a he's a dick he's a he's just a dick and the guy was like yeah you're right he is i was like really but even then i mean like oracle as a company has become i mean i feel like they've just they what do they do that's really i mean what what products do they put out that's really that good at this point is pretty rock solid i i will give them that okay i will concede that you are right i forgot about the database stuff yeah i mean it's you can get a company can get so entrenched in the marketplace that you sometimes deal with garbage from them. Like you really have to, you cause you're stuck. <coughs> the challenge is how do you, you know, how do you find those gaps and disrupt the market? You know, um, Oracle would be one of those companies like their, their handling of, of Java as a language. I, not forgiving, but it is what it is. You know, it's kind of like you're you're kind of stuck with that. Um, their handling of their databases, it is what it is. Like you can have an open source version, but sometimes you do want the bells and whistles of the open source version from the, the horse's mouth. Like MariaDB, I don't care how much people try to pitch me on MariaDB. It's, I just rather use uh, MySQL. I just, you, you can't, you can't convince me to use MariaDB. I Who just want Couchbase. <laughs> what if I could tell what if I told you you could run it in a Docker container? <laughs> in case you can't tell, I am literally touching every single one of Andre's hot button issues when it comes to technology right now. I tell you what, man, like I love, I I, I love and I'm passionate about software, but shiny button disease and shiny new object disease, just freaking, it just pisses me off, man. It just pisses me off. I read an article on E-Area. You'll never guess who wrote it. I mean, I guess, I'm sure I could. Yeah. The name that will not be named. Yep. And I just wanted to create an account 
and just talk crap the whole time. Can I can I guess what it was about? Oh, I bet you can't in a million years. Graph databases? Oh! <laughs> <laughs> ding, 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 ding. We have a winner. I don't even know why. I don't know what prompted me to, to go and even go to that their their place on the internet. But I did, and I, I I got angry. I just wanted to leave a comment and say, dude, you spent four months wasting my time and your crap never worked. You're pathetic. Like, and he's a shiny button, shiny new tool type of guy. And it's just like, man. I don't know how you get stuff done. I, I just don't know. Life. Yeah. And I, the, the whole, you know, shiny new toy syndrome in the tech industry, I think. I mean, you see it even outside of the tech industry now. It's like, you know, people wanting to jump on every new startup and all of that stuff where it's like, you know, just throw wads of money at it and make it successful. And I think we can all, well, maybe we can't all, you and I agree that throwing money at the problem is never, I mean, I, I don't know why, but I had this, I, I think I was listening to something or reading an article the other day and it was talking about you know, something about people being underfunded and all of this. And, you know, I had, I think we were talking about, uh, we weren't, but I was reading something about, you know, the defund the police and it made me think about, okay, if, because the, the counter-argument to that in a lot of cases, well, most police departments are underfunded, right? Mm-hmm. So then the what it seems like the argument you're making, is not you, but those people are, we should just give more money to the police, and that will make them less racist, <laughs> right? Um, <laughs> no. And, it, and I swear, like, this has a point. I'm going to connect this all. It made me think of, like, the education system, right, where teachers need more money. I don't doubt that that is true, but ultimately, like if you, we need to understand for what, right? Like if, if we are working, so let's say that we work, you know, at a at a place, and or our team has a budget, right? But we want to buy some new toy that's outside of our budget. We can't just go and say, "Hey, you didn't give us enough money. We're underfunded. Give us more money," right? Well, I mean, we could. But what we are the could. chances that anybody's going to listen to us? Now, if we but, went and said, hey, I know that you gave us this, but if we could have X amount more and we could do this, this is the efficiency output that we'd be able to create. Or this is, you know, the additional revenue, whatever it is, like you need to be able to tie that to some benefit. And Chris, I feel- like, but you're but you're missing the you're, you're missing all the lessons in life that we learned together. Right. <laughs> you really are like. Do you think government or any other like enterprise is that unique? They're not. No. We had to pitch for an email tool. We had to pitch for a, a tool to, to run our team. And then and those two examples, it was proof of concept before we even asked for freaking money. We did all the legwork. So what makes you think those other enterprises are that unique? What makes you think they're unicorns? I guess it, it it seems like that's not what happens though, right? No, I mean, I'm just, I'm just telling you the answer is right in front of our face. And when I keep saying that we are afraid to do the work, right? For your yeah. teachers need more money. So, how do we get in this mess? I can tell you part of the, the issue in North Carolina is that somebody thought it was a good idea to say, 
hey, you know what? I'll pay 75 or 100% of your tuition if you become a teacher in North Carolina. Yeah. Do you think those people really wanted to be teachers? No. No. A vast majority did not. But if you get free right. education and essentially a free job where you are going to get tenure and not be able to get fired, <laughs> you know? Exactly. Like, so what problem does that solve? Right. Nurses yeah. are going through the same thing right now where we keep throwing out these MacGuffins and it, hoping that that solves a problem. Having a person's butt in a seat does not solve the problem. What is the problem with education? Well, it's it's manifold. We can't pick just one. You know, like I can say in North Carolina, we Mecklenburg. Yes, Mecklenburg and Wake County do. They do draw a lot of tax revenue. But if we want to improve the educational system in the state, the amount of extra tax revenue that they draw because of population and because of ta our sales tax should be deducted so we can actually take the, the, the pool of tax dollars and spread them more evenly throughout the state. Right. Redistribute the wealth. Yes. But do it in a way that, well... <laughs> Re redistribute the distribution. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know what I mean. It's, I it's, know exactly what you mean, but I knew I also had the opportunity to say something and get you to probably agree with it because you thought I was really playing along. <laughs> <laughs> it's not what I I am. I it's know. Like, I know. Yeah. Andre Jeez. is not a communist. <laughs> But I do believe in a balanced budget. I do believe in making sure that the whole state, that the deal is equitable for all parties in, involved. And yeah. if we can't figure out what's wrong with education and figure out common sense solutions to those, what do you expect? Yeah. I mean, that's that's the problem. I mean, it's not just tech. It's not just government. It's not just private, you know, any other private enter enterprise. But the common sense approaches aren't there anymore. Right not willing to do the work. So it's, it's not unique. It's, it's just laziness. It's like, I hate to say it. It's like intellectual laziness and throwing money at the problem does not fix it. No, you know? No, I mean, cause then all you have is a bunch of rich racist cops. One of my sons <laughs> said, <I'm sorry. laughs> well, have you been to care? Well, you live in care. I live right? in Cary. Yeah. One of my sons, like when we, like all this stuff started happening, in March, he actually said, who's hiring these people? Like he's, well, he's my son. So I understand his, his <laughs> how things really work. No, but it's true. I mean, you know, it's, uh, and especially in that position, right? I mean, I'm sorry, but like a police officer is not just some guy that you go hire. Right. You know, like that's not just, you don't just take any Joe Schmo off the street and plug him in and give him a badge and a gun and say, go police your fellow humans. Like, I'm going to do a Chris. Do so it. I watched Mulan last week. Yeah. All right. Have you watched it? No, I haven't seen it yet. Okay. I'm going to give you like a, not a spoiler, but they, they get all these young people from the villages and they are very, the training is very intense. Right. He's going to make a man out of them. Yes. You remember the animation. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> But they had this creed, and one of them was basically, if you're dishonest, you'll go home. And a lot of the other things, like if you did them, you'd die. But this one, if you're dishonest, you'd go home with shame. 
when I think of police officers or anybody that has to carry a weapon, and that would include the military, anybody that's in charge of protection, that should be an honorable profession where you get the best of the best. And if they can't meet minimum requirements, not just things that you can, you know, the tangibles, but the intangibles, they shouldn't be there. Like that's just, I mean, that I don't do my movie references the same as you do, but when you watch that movie, you'll, you'll probably, t- you'll remind me and you'll tell me about it. Um, but I'm telling you, like, when you think about those jobs, it's kind of like, I want the best of the best. Like you, I can't think of any historical battle. Well, there were some battles where they would get like the, the local village people, but for the most part, they wanted the strongest, the smartest, the fastest people to defend uh, a geographical area. They didn't just want like the lamest, the dumbest, the laziest, uh, the rejects. People. And I'm the not re- saying that as a coverall. I'm not trying, but yeah, I mean, ultimately, like the people who don't fit in elsewhere, right? The people yeah. who don't have, who can't find a plate, like those are usually not the people who are going to have the right mentality or whatever to serve that position and our society well in that role. Like it's just when I, not. When I used to interview a lot of people, one of the questions I would ask them is why do you want to work here? And the people that said something along the lines of, well, you guys were hiring or needed a job. And I'm, you know, they, mm-hmm. they were automatically, they were nicks from my mind. They were like, you lost 30 points for saying that because I want people that want to be there. Yeah. If you're just, if we're just another option, which I understand because as an employer, you are an option for the employee, but it's got to be mutual. There should be some reason, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I know that a lot of companies are trying to like get back to those real questions, but they do it in such a, a fake disingenuous way. I'm like, you're full of crap. One of the questions I've always asked employers is, so yeah, um, when they ask me, do you have any questions? Yes. Is this the only position you're hiring for? Um, yes. Huh. Why is that? Well, if they tell me, well, they let, you know, somebody left or whatever, and we're filling that need. I'm like, okay, that's great. But you know, if it's multiple positions, it tells you the company's growing. Now I'm not, I may more than likely not be interested in any of the other positions. I, I probably don't care about them. Sure. I'm trying to get a gauge of the, the general health of that company. Right. If you're just hiring one position and when somebody if if somebody's bold enough to ask you when you hopefully ask them if they have any questions and you don't have like a, you can't comfortably answer that question, that's probably not the company I want to work for. You know, well, yeah, this is the only position we're hiring. Well, why is that? Well, you know, somebody left. They, they took another job somewhere else and they got a promotion. I mean, you should be able to talk about those things. Yeah. They're growing their career. But most people say, yeah, yeah, and they leave it at that. I don't want to work there. You can't tell me like, you know, it's it's got to be mutually beneficial, period. Right. And those are the type of people that we should want to be protecting us in any capacity. It, it almost seems to me like in, in a number of cases, you know, that like the interviewee is seen as like a potential double agent. You know, like (laughs) someone coming in, trying to get in, we're not going to share anything, you know, or you have some potential employers who like to brag about the fact that they are basically getting their interview or ease to do work for free. Yeah. Right. Oh, I had them write up this piece 
or do this thing, and now I'm going to use it, even though I didn't pay him for it. I I can't think of any companies that have ever done that. No, but I think... (laughs) No, I mean, but it, it does, you know, like one of the things, oftentimes when... You know, we would be in interviews together and we'd get to that point where we'd ask, you know, the person or the, the question would be posed, you know, hey, so do you have any questions for us? And a lot of the times the question is, well, why do you guys work here? You know, like, what yeah. is it about that you like here? And I, it's one of those where I, I could kind of see, you know, if I'm sitting in an interview, if I'm sitting in a room being interviewed and I ask that question and, and the answer is like, well, we get to play games and there's not, you know, like it's really laid back environment, you know, like there's no pressure. Nobody really cares what you do. Oh, yeah. Sign me up. Thank you for your time, sir. I'm yeah. good. <laughs> but I, I think, you know, you and I would often have a lot of the same answers, you know, where it's like, I've met some of the, I've had the fortune of working with some of the smartest and brightest people in my lifetime here at this company. Yeah. And that in and of itself has been oftentimes like, you know, motivation enough to hang out. Um, And I just, you know, those are the types of things, uh, you know, I'm with you. Like, I think I've been fortunate in my life that, I have gotten to kind of pick where it was that I wanted to work, that I was never in a position of applying somewhere that I wasn't ultimately actually interested in working there. Yeah. I would never do that to myself because I I like me way too much. That's the thing. I guess I just, you know, like you see people that are just miserable sometimes and I, I don't know. Like, I I guess I know shit happens in life. You know, that like people find end up in places that they don't really want to be. But it just, you know, at some point I would think you got to just kind of like say enough is enough. You know, like I'm going to do the things that I need to do. If it's staying up, you know, for half an hour doing a job search for something else that you might actually enjoy. Right. Polishing your resume, writing more cover letters, like sending out more, you know, applying for more jobs that are in the field that you actually might, you know, want to do something and I just, I, I don't know. It's, I, I think that when it comes to, um, and I, I know I'm harping on this honorable choices things, but I've been over the last, well, since my birthday, I've kind of been reflecting back on my childhood and some of the lessons my parents taught me. And I, that happens when you get old. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> and also happens when you have kids that are like quickly approaching, further into their adulthood right and yeah. i want to make sure i've been a good example for them yep and one thing i can tell you about my parents although they were they were crappy teachers in a handful of occasions they were, they taught good lessons right if i look past their methods of, of teaching me those things they were trying to teach me good things and having honor and integrity i think as a society we're well like we've put that on the shelf under a book, under a cookie jar, in a closet, under the house, with a bear <laughs> guarding the door. <laughs> like, we just don't understand what that means, you know? Um, we don't understand that your integrity and your honor, like, it, it, and I, it doesn't mean that you're infallible. It doesn't mean that you don't make mistakes, but at least you can 
admit those mistakes and own up to them and, and, you know, treat people with kindness and respect. It doesn't mean you agree all the time, but it just means that you're okay in those moments and you're not going to go off on the deep end and, and just disparage people. It's just, we don't as a society, and I'm going to make a general generalization now. That's, that's, those two terms are so far from our vocabulary and our behaviors. It's, it couldn't be more evident. Um, and I think that's probably more damaging than what we think it is. And we're, we're looking for shortcuts and everything. You can look at the grading scale for schools now and in, in our County, it's 10 points. Well, freaking try harder. Go back to a seven point scale. Stop making things so easy and convenient, right? Raise your standard to be where you're challenging people to be the best. It can go and extend to how everything has got to have a, a cop out. And that doesn't help us. And we can't have, we've got to be able to say, hey, I made this decision. I own the decision. And let me live with the, you know, let me live with the after effects of that. And that's what's depressing. It's not, well, not depressing. It's just eye opening that we've become so complacent and comfortable with without having honor or integrity. And we wonder why we get where we are. Yeah. And I don't know if that makes sense, but it's just something that I've been pondering for. No, I think it does. And I think, you know, in, in a lot of ways, it, it really kind of, I think it does cycle back to what we talked about earlier in the Lee Iacocca book where it's like, I, I feel like a big part of it is we just, we have lost the leaders, you know, like the people, that were our moral compass that helped to show us that the easy way wasn't the best way that that working hard and doing your best even if you didn't always succeed was worth it in and of itself you know right. that that like making something ultimately whatever it is right is so much more valuable than tearing something down And as a society, we've gotten lazy and complacent and we want the shortcuts to everything. We want everything spoon fed to us because we've uh, 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 generalization, but it just seems like we don't care anymore. Like we don't care about learning. We don't care about working and growing. We want to be comfortable. We want to be content, not even happy, right? Like we just don't want to be inconvenienced. And I'm so sick of living that way. Like I just, you know, or seeing other people continue to live that way as like, yeah, we could do better, but why try? It's hard, man. Um, I I was actually, you know, uh, talking to one of my sons today about there was a time when we were working together and somebody made a, a character attack at me. And I was trying to explain to him, like, look, people can say whatever they want to say to me. And I'm probably going to be okay. I'm not going to get defensive. But, you know, I'm like, all right, that's your point of view. That's great. I can disagree. But the minute you make it personal or you attack my character, things that I obviously consciously try to uphold, I got a problem. And, you know, I don't think that, first of all, I don't believe that you're the type of person that's complacent about these things. I believe that you try to challenge yourself against the norm. I just don't think people talk about it because it's uncomfortable. And 
that's where, you know, that's where we're starting to see a lot of these breakdowns, right? Um, it's like, I haven't been to the gym since COVID-19. I haven't put on a lot of weight. I haven't really been exercising as much as I could. I, I woke up early this morning. I didn't exercise, but I'm starting to get very comfortable not exercising. Yep. <laughs> so, so tomorrow morning when I wake up, I'm going to exercise because I don't want to get that comfortable. Do you want to um, hear something funny? What's that? So I hate exercise. Uh, if it wasn't like playing a sport that I enjoyed, I had no real interest in doing it. I tried doing running at one point. I tried weightlifting. I just, I could never, I could just never wrap my head into that mindset. I have been trying to work with my daughter on helping her to not be as distracted and fidgeting and all of that stuff while she's at school. And so we've gotten her signed up for some different activities. Like she's got a ballet class once a week. And I was talking to her teacher, her first grade teacher about it. And she said, you know, when my son was younger, we used to get up early and we would go to the gym and we would run laps before school. And that really seemed to help. And so Helena came home and I said, hey, I was talking to your teacher and she told me this. And I thought maybe if you want, you and I could get up early tomorrow morning and we can go for a run in the neighborhood. And she said, yeah, let's do it. So we got up at six, which is ridiculous for me, um, <laughs> and rolled out of bed and we went and we ran about half a mile. And the next day we got up and I, I asked her that night and I, when she was going to bed, I said, so are you going to get up and run in the morning? And she says, well, are you going to come with me? <laughs> and I was like, if you're going to get up and run, I will get up and run with you. Yes. But I wanted it to be her decision. I didn't want it to be like, hey, I'm getting up to run. You can come with me if you want. I was like, right. hey, if you want to go run, you go run and I will join you. And she was like, yeah, I'm going to get up and run. So the next morning we got up, did three quarters of a mile. And every single morning since then, we have gotten up and gone out and run. And I never, I mean, I hated running when I was younger. Never, ever thought that I would try running again. And I I know that you know this, but it's like kids, man, they are the best freaking motivation like <laughs> on the planet. Like she's up, she's ready to go. And I'm like, all right. I mean, I can't let a seven-year-old beat me. Like I know, right? <laughs> and it's great because the second day, you know, like the first day she was kind of keeping, we were real close and just jogging, taking it nice and easy. The second day she's like sprinting out and then running back and sprinting out and running back. And I'm just like tortoise in the hair tortoise in the hair <laughs> slow and steady so and then at the end she's like can we stop and i'm like nope we got to make it to the end of the streak tortoise in the hair tortoise in the hair <laughs> you've been all of your good energy honey yeah uh, i made that mistake one time when one, when one of the boys was uh working out a lot for football we went running that was the first and last time i ever went running with him i was like i'm good bro yep your pace, I can't keep up, and I don't want you lapping me. That's not a thing. Yeah. <clears throat> One of my brother-in-laws and his wife are in the army, and they they are runners. They'll do like five miles. And when they come to visit, guess what they do? They run. Yep. When we go to visit them, guess what they do in the morning? They, they run. run. And I think he's learned not to ask me if I want to go running with him. I'm like, dude, I'm not running five miles. Yeah. No, that's how Saturday. that's how my mom is, and my sister too. Uh, they both run all the time. And really. 
Yeah. And so my mom, like there's the lake down at Carolina beach and they've got a, a sidewalk that goes all the way around. I think it's two thirds of a mile or something like that. So she'll go out and do, you know, laps out there and then she'll come back down along the beach and everything. Um, and so when they found out that I had started running with Helena, they were both just like over the moon <laughs> excited, like, Oh my gosh, that's so amazing. We're so proud. And you guys are so awesome. And just, it is awesome. yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's, I haven't felt this. I mean, and it's been five days, I think, that I've gotten up and That's ran. Good. But it's like, you know, I, I haven't felt this good. I mean, I'm tired usually by the end of the day, but that's not a bad thing either. Um, so, I, yeah, it's like I, I'm amazed that I have been able to run as well as I have. Um, yeah, I'm treadmill guy. My knees are like my right knee is shot. I, I should get a surgery for it, but it looks like it hurts. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll just stick to the treadmill. That's a good call. I'll get, I'll get cardio different ways. Well, I, I feel a lot better once since, since we got out of the politics part. And then, again, ladies and gentlemen, we have the hard conversations, but doesn't mean we always want to, <laughs> or that yeah. that's all we want to talk about. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, I, I just don't want to talk. I don't want to, I will say this. The president is, he doesn't live rent free in my house, but, He's on punishment, so he's got limited amount of time where I want to think about him. It's like, nah, dude, I'm gonna give you like 20 minutes, and that's about it, bro. Yep. And then that's what we'll start setting a timer. (laughs) (laughs) Man, I'm just hopeful that I I think there are going to be two possible outcomes. It'll be the Senate and the White House, or just the Senate that'll get flipped, and then I'm okay. Either scenario works for. can't support himself and like sorry he can't execute him a crack controlled senate and i'm okay with that so yeah of course we are like wrapping up the episode and all of a sudden it it, it, it i know right <laughs> and then now you're back i totally forgot to plug in my stupid ethernet cable so that's probably part of it but way to go chris i know well, i'm the best well, we're glad you guys – well, you are the best. We are super glad you guys joined us and hung in there. Um, As always. And it's, yeah, and it's good to talk to you, Chris. I know it, COVID-19 is actually the, the – I think North Carolina is in phase 2.5 is what they're calling it. Yeah. And it's phase 2.5.1. Yeah, they, yeah, they, yeah. They had to release uh, a, an update to it. crashing, <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, but I'm glad that we still get to do this and, you know, the internet and all the technology that allows us to do this is, you know, thank goodness that you're tech savvy with all your audio engineering stuff. I am not, um, (laughs) my contributions are less, um, visible in the finished product. So, um, I disagree. Well, well. Then I disagree with your disagreement, but I'm well. Very... Then we're just going to have to disagree to disagree. Well, I disagree that we should be disagreeing, but I think that I'm right. Mm, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> if you ever, if you ever get bored on the interwebs and you're trying to figure out where we are, we are at chrisandandreshow.com on the interwebs, uh, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, you'll see some mystery posting from one of us. Not me. 
<laughs> I go through spurts. Um, yeah. I I will like edit an episode and I'll be like, oh, I'm going to take a day off from editing. So I'm going to spend the entire night scheduling out like six posts. But I don't even like ske- – because I am such a freaking marketer. You are. I can't wait. <laughs> I'm like, I got six posts queued up. I can just drop it over the next two days. I, <laughs> that's like three weeks worth of content for us, right? Normally. Yeah. And I'm like, no, two days, you are just going to get inundated with the Chris and Andre show and then radio silence for <laughs> weeks. You won't see anything but episodes. But I've been trying to find ways to promote some stuff and provide a little bit of additional value, I guess, in the social content so that it's not just like, hey, this is another place for you to know that this episode exists, whether it's right. my amazing sense of humor that you are appreciating in my post, uh, my next level puns, um, or just my... I, Ungodly modesty? No, that doesn't <laughs> exist. Um <laughs> No, or I mean, lately I've been really trying to like, because Instagram's the one that gives me the hardest time, honestly, of all the social stuff. And we can probably spend some time next episode talking about our social media marketing efforts. Um, But yeah, because they don't, you can't link to stuff in posts and you have to have an image. But because you can't link to stuff in posts and like, it's a whole thing, but. We're we're definitely going to talk about that next week. Yeah. Because you're going to make me like start lifting up the hood as you're talking i'm like thinking about do i go to their documentation (laughs) (laughs) what does your api do well then Um, buffer had this whole thing where they had they recently updated and i yeah it's yeah there's a that's a whole thing for sure we're definitely going to talk about that yeah Uh, but i'm super glad you guys joined us and you can catch us on you can subscribe to the podcast on soundcloud um google play music which will soon be youtube music uh spotify and the one that will not be named Apple Podcast is that what they call it now? Yeah, it's Apple Podcasts, iTunes, iTunes Music Store, Apple Music. All of that stuff is now kind of getting one squished to together. Uh, yeah. Tune in radio, I think, or the whatever the Amazon one is. Okay. Um, I always feel like Pandora. Yeah, we're on Pandora. Yeah, Pandora. We are literally everywhere. I mean, I, I still, I don't know of anywhere that we are not showing up so uh, but then again how would we because what are you going to do listen to us and then be like well i know you guys don't know this but i actually listen to you over here where your podcast is not submitted like no yeah um i have gotten really slack with my youtube channel uploads lately so apologies but i mean if i'm being honest kiss my ass because um And what do you care? None of you are watching them anyways. So like, I just kind of, that seemed like a diminishing returns kind of thing at the moment until we can actually produce some video content that, yeah, we'll figure it out. I mean, that, cause that's the thing when you could share it, it but see, this is what I'm going to create a whole nother segment slash podcast right here because I just can't shut up. Yeah. Well, we're glad you guys joined us <laughs> and uh, thanks for all the listeners that are around the world. And we do get people that listen to us around the world. It's very much appreciated. If you like it, share it, give us feedback. Our email address is the Chris and Andre show at gmail.com. Wherever and, you uh, are finding us, please make sure that you hit that subscribe button. Uh, if you can leave us a review, even if it's just like those five stars, you don't have to write anything nice about us, but uh, 
that helps us out big time, just uh, mm-hmm. getting us a little bit more recognition and helping us move up and up the podcast charts. If you don't like us, uh, go to the review section. They've actually flipped things around, and the five stars are now the lowest that you can give. So slap that five star on there to let us know you didn't like it. Um, please don't write anything negative, though, because that will then also be flipped around, and it'll come back as positive comments when it gets posted. You won't see it, but we will, and we won't understand. So, God, I love this guy. Um, (laughs) (laughs) We're glad you joined us with the Chris Niners show as always. I'm Andre. And I am Chris. And I I can't control him. We'll we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Why aren't dogs afraid of redwood trees? Because their bark is bigger than their bite. <laughs>